short. I feel like you're doing something to make it. I didn't even touch it. It looks like it. Well, I can't tell. It's so tall that it's almost like in my line it's of sight. It's now serving its purpose. Like it's supposed to shield the noise behind the microphone. You do your thing. It's centered now. Five, four, three, centered. two, one. Welcome back to Creative Moonlighting. Episode 11. Episode 11. Yeah. So we came down to Corpus for Mother's Day weekend. And so I thought, why not celebrate by putting my mom in the hot seat? Mom in the hot seat. I had my mom in the hot seat last episode. That's right. So we're honoring our mothers for Mother's Day by putting them behind the mic. All right. I love it. So here's the only question. I'm going to step aside today and let you and let your mom take my mic. Um, and so that you can kind of narrow in your interview just between the two of you. But just out of curiosity, how are we linking? Like last week, my mom was um, speaking to the writing process. Mm-hmm. What is your mom going to be speaking about? Or what is it that you're going to um, what is it that you're going to do to try to narrow it in toward this whole theme of creative moonlighting well my mom has an interesting story uh that i've always been curious about um you know she's she grew up in the philippines and she came over to the states when she was 19 years old and for many people that were raised in asian american homes uh you don't get a lot of full stories you get bits and pieces of stories and you try to piece them together by what you've been told or what you've heard from your aunts or your your aunties and your uncles and your tita like everybody right so i thought maybe i could accomplish two things in this episode i could hear from my mom about her experience moving from the philippines to here uh, to the states, but I also wanted it to really inform people about how they can um, accomplish or set out to accomplish what their goals are without being driven by fear. Oh, okay, all right. So oftentimes we can let um, fear control us, and in my mom's case, if she would have let fear control her, she wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't making be making this podcast. That's incredible. So I, I and I think that we've already done, I, I believe we've already spoken to fear at different points throughout this podcast, but always only in relation to like creating something to like share, like artwork or whatever. You right. Know? Um, but you're really tackling something that's huge because artwork is just an extension. They talk about, you know, imitating life. Art imitates life. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes life imitates art. It's a whole other topic. But, but, what you're speaking to, and we said before, creativity isn't limited to art or or, or you know some uh, project or some product. Sometimes creativity just means learning and re- and and practicing and figuring out ways to survive. Right. And so it sounds like that could be an well, angle. and yeah, and in her case, she she has a lot of stories that are relatable to other people, maybe not necessarily uh, coming all the way from the Philippines, thousands of miles to a new country, but um, everybody has fears that they have to overcome to accomplish accomplish their goals. So that's what I am going to ask her about. All right. I can't wait to hear about it. And we hope you guys enjoy it. Without further ado, let's welcome Miss Ludie Litz. 
my mother-in-law. Okay. Hello. And Hi. Welcome to episode, gosh, I can't keep track, maybe 11 of Creative Moonlighting. Uh, today we have a special, special guest, my mama. Get it from my mama. And we are in Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, in honor of Mother's Day, we thought it would be great. We've had both of our moms. We will have had both of our moms on the show today. So say hi, mama. Hey, it's great to be here. So uh, my mom's name is Ludi. Um, and uh, she's here. And I thought that I would ask her about her experience uh, moving to the U.S. from the Philippines, because you've heard many times that Matthew and I have talked about how uh, we come from very different backgrounds and households. And so today's episode is going to be about um, we thought operating on ambitions, um, not fear. And I think that's a, a pretty good summary of um, the way that you've lived your life, right, mom? Absolutely. So, okay, tell us a little bit about where you grew up in the Philippines and when you came here to the U.S. Okay, well, it's been over 50 years, I think, okay. that uh, uh, I migrated to the U.S. Uh, I was born in Manila, Philippines, actually a suburb of uh, Manila, outside okay. of Manila, which is the the major city in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. Went to school there and, um, you know, grew up with a bunch of cousins and relatives all in one um, central area. And it was fun growing up because... Uh, you know, you get to play outside, you mm -hmm. get to um, um, just have the freedom to enjoy the outdoors. And that's what I like. I, I'm a very outdoorsy person. You had how many siblings growing up? OMG. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were eight of us in the family. I, I, I'm the third one from the top. So uh, there's three girls. Mm -hmm. And five boys. So growing up, I was kind of in in the midst of all boys before my uh, second sister came along, which was about probably about eight or ten years later. So you had to hold your own with the boys. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it wasn't tough, you know. I had to, I had to be tough, so I could hang with the boys. Yeah. So then you grew up there in Pasig, right? Pasig, yes, that's that's a suburb. Yep, and you grew up there. And at what at what point in your life did you decide I want to move to the U.S.? When did that become a goal? Back when I was growing up, um, it was everyone's ambition to, you know, better their lives. You know, we weren't exactly rich by any means of the imagination, but um, you know, we were all ambitious. We want to better our lives and. One of the things that um, a lot of people dream about uh, when you're in the Philippines, you know, you hear about life in the United States, you know, it's the best of both worlds, um, you know, good jobs, good education. So that that was a dream that I had just to um, be able to come to the United States and, and um, see if I if in that way I can help my family have so, a better life as well. I'm curious about why not. So you have um, 
cousins and family that went to Australia and went to Canada, right? They went to different places. Oh, so- yeah. They're, they're all over the place. They're, they're, uh, cousins on my mom's side went all migrated to Australia. So why'd they choose Australia versus coming to the States? I think they, they, um, gotten the first dibs at, you know, uh, getting higher education, you oh, know, okay. and, and, and then getting better jobs. Okay. Better paying jobs, actually. So, and was it easier to get to Australia or did you just have to have, be in the class that would have preference to go to Australia? Well, actually, it was a lot easier to go to Australia. You know, it seems like their uh, immigration laws were not as strict as the U.S., okay. you know. Um, so, um, a lot of, uh, cousins on mom's side decided, you know, they were nurses, they were, uh, doctors. And, and so the opportunities for those kinds of jobs back then were really good in Australia. So, okay. Off they went. So then, okay, here you are, you're growing up in the Philippines, you have lots of siblings and cousins, and you decided you wanted to better your opportunities and um, be able to provide more for your family. So what age was that when you said, okay, I'm going to go to the U.S.? Actually, I I did that um, by way of marrying your father, Yeah, um, who was at that time in the U.S. Navy. Okay. So, um, one of the things, um, that, uh, didn't require a whole lot of, um, uh, well, documentation. Yeah. Documentation is like you marry a U.S. citizen and automatically you get a green card. So he was a lot older than you. Oh, much older. How? Like about probably 10, 12 years. So was he already in the U.S. when this happened? Oh, or? he had been living in the U.S. Um, for a number of years, for about 15 years or so. So then how did you meet him if you were in the Philippines? Oh, he was vacationing in the Philippines. He was having the good time in the Philippines. Oh. And there I went. I was going to school at that time. I was going to the University of the East Okay. in Manila. Okay. I was working at the same time in uh, a city they call Makati. Mm-hmm. City, mm-hmm. which is now like one of the largest cities in Manila. So then, um, you meet him. Did y'all get married quickly? Right away. Like right away. Quick? Like I, I meet him. Say like um, in January, and like two months later, oh. he married me. So then, how quickly did it take you after you get so you get married two months later? How quickly did you move to the U.S.? He went back to the U.S. first because he was uh, stationed, you know, employed with the Navy, stationed in San Diego. Oh, and so anyway, um, he immediately worked on, you know, what documentation we need, and within three months, I was in the U.S. So then you move, but then you slowly brought everybody else over, right? Well, it was tough in the beginning because I, I had never, um, rode in an airplane before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there we were waiting for a space available flight uh-huh. in, um, in, uh, one of the Air Force bases, Clark Air Force Base. I remember sitting for like a week, a whole week just to get a flight to, um, San Francisco. 
And so, but, but, you know, being newly married, it was fun because, you know, we got to hit the clubs and mm-hmm. dancing and meeting new people. So it was a fun time. But however, it was a rude awakening for me because the plane that we got put on wasn't exactly, uh, you know, a commercial airline. <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing like that. Well, As a matter it? of fact, it was a cargo plane from vietnam oh my god and what do you know it's it's a plane carrying dead oh. soldiers from vietnam did you have to sit by it? so were they in uh coffins um well they were they were stored in the backside of the plane but we were all there were no like passenger looking seats oh my you gosh. were all like in hammocks and on the side so it, it wasn't exactly a luxuri- luxurious experience, you know. But, wow. you know, it was one way to get space available, free plane ride to the United States. So, How many people were on the flight with you? Oh, my God. It was, uh, I'm not counting the dead people, probably I'd say about 30 Oh my god! 30. And so were y'all just sitting loose on yeah. the plane? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it, it was just like and and uh, what I remember most about that flight is like, you know, you get called right away, like like no preparation, like you had no idea that your time is up to get on this plane. They just call you, Ludi and Amagon. you better be ready. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like you hop on that that plane. Regardless of what you're wearing, flip flops, whatever, you know, mini skirts at that time. And that's what I was wearing. And little did I know that, you know, it's it cold, cold in the U.S. It was, it was in February, I think. And San March. Francisco yeah. gets so cold. Yeah. And so anyway, um, so you arrived in the U.S. wearing a mini skirt and flip flops. Yeah. But, you know, back, back in the sixties then. So you know how that was. So were you, when you got on the plane, was Nanai and Tatai, uh, that like around when you were getting on the plane? No, that, that was another misfortune. They didn't know we were getting on the plane. We, you know, it, and they're, they're, uh, probably about, I'd say 200 miles away from oh. where we were. So, it so was you had strictly. to wait at this Air Force base yes, and yes. you didn't know, you just were on standby. Yes. It's just oh, like wow. waiting at the airport, like, you know, sleeping on the benches. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it could have been months or it could have been a day. Yes, it could have been. It was wow. to us, it was a total of a whole week. Wow. Yeah. So, Okay. So the thing, you know, the point, the the topic of the episode is thinking about how you can operate on ambition and not fear. So I'm imagining being, what, 19 years old? Is that about, how old yes, you were? Yes. So I 19 am. years old, you've been waiting at this airport for over a week, or this Air Force base for over a week, and they call you and they tell you to get on the plane. And so, like, when you are going to walk on that plane, what made you just step on and not look back there was no hesitation i knew i needed to get on that plane to um find my way to the u.s Mm -hmm. which was a dream that i've had since i was a little girl Mm -hmm. that no matter what i have to do which primarily the emphasis was on education if you can um 
you, the only way you can better yourself in the Philippines is through education. And I carry that through, I guess, all throughout my lifetime in the U.S. As mm -hmm. long as you give yourself a good education and be ambitious enough to say nothing's going to get in the way, mm -hmm. you do it. So then you get to the United States and you're um, going to start a new life. You said it was fun at first and then um, you probably, like you said, get the rude awakening that things aren't just going to be this great new life that just presents itself on a silver platter, right? So I have to imagine also that um, the reality of being thousands of miles away from where you grew up, your family and your cousins and your, you know, siblings, um, how did you handle like those challenges that came up? How did you, how did you figure those out? Well, you know, I did not know a soul whenever I came to the U.S. The only person I knew was my husband, was your your father. Mm -hmm. um, but he had a job to do. So I was like left all by myself to figure out, you know, what I need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, at that time, I think... Um, uh, I did not have a resume, um, and I did not have a computer, so I, I had to sit by the, like, I remember a, an Underwood typewriter to, and, you know, and, and get, um, my resume going so I could have a job. Um, that was the first thing that I needed to do because, um, being an enlisted, um, uh, soldier, didn't really uh bring in a whole lot of money mm -hmm. you know but it was just the two of us so but i needed to send myself to school at the same time so i got a job as a secretary mm -hmm. like i think maybe i think my my resume was good enough i i uh I didn't pat it or anything, but I had recommendations from my bosses in the Philippines. So, okay. you know, I, I got good recommendations and I got hired right away, which to me was, you know, a, a combination of luck and gumption to mm -hmm. I want this job. I want a job. So, I mean, you know, I like how quickly after you moved, did you get a job about probably about a couple of weeks? We were still living at the Navy Lodge, we were, the, which was a temporary quarter. Yes. You know, yeah. we were still living there. And uh, I had to find me a bike to get to work, to get to the office, you know. And uh, how far was the Navy Lodge to the to your work? Probably not, not, not that far, but it's couple not miles not that close either yeah. you know so probably i'd say a mile mile and a half oh okay well you know by bike that's that especially in the morning when you're trying to fight traffic and everything and the other thing too was like traffic here was so different from the traffic that i've oh, known yeah. in the philippines so <laughs> it was a joke trying to you know get in front of all these cars you know i of course i didn't get on the freeway uh, you know, I had to go through little streets, but that in and of by itself was quite an experience too. But you know what? I charged ahead. Yeah. So I charged ahead. 
So you sounds like you got to work right away. And then, you know what I'm curious about as you're saying this? So you move over. Was your English clear? I was. Well, that I can be proud that in the Philippines, you know how they say you might have an accent. Yeah. You know, and you carry that accent. You know, you guys still make fun of me and my accent. Um, and, but um, regardless I knew how to speak English. Okay. The good, the proper English. Yeah. I mean, I had probably did not have as thick of an accent. However, um, I think I attribute that to uh, who I worked for in the Philippines. I worked for Dow Chemical in the Philippines. Oh. So I had a, a American boss. Oh. Which kind of trained me to speak a little bit of the slang. Articulate yeah. Yeah, a yeah. little more. Yeah. 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 So... Um, yeah, I, I was, I, it kind of, I, it you surprised me. No, it surprised me that I got hired within like a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they were just desperate, uh, for somebody to run the office, but mm -hmm. I was there. Okay. So then let, think back if you can, well, even over the course of all, all of your time living here and let's put on the table the real fears that entered your mind like be real honest with you know people listening to this the thing about it is we all want to acknowledge the fears that might prevent us from pursuing creative adventure you know creative endeavors that we have or um goals and ambitions that we have right so what fears really um were maybe like you were feeling you were experiencing can you think back to any um, of those? the one the one fear that i had at that time was um like not having enough time because i wanted to work full time uh go back to school and become a you know a model housewife because i i mean we were newlyweds you know, and, um, and so having to juggle all three things, I was fearful of not having enough time for myself, which at that time, you know, I was kind of like, um, I, uh, put myself in, in like, you know, the, the lowest priority, you know, I, mm -hmm. you know, unlike, now we're, you know, I want to have time for tennis. I want to have time for golf. I want to have time for me to go out with my girls to the movies, you know, and all that. I didn't have any of that. I didn't have the luxury that I have now. Yeah. If Laura, <laughs> if my sister Lori and my brother Steven are listening, they're laughing because <laughs> mom lives the in the lap of luxury these days. Her day, I think today her, her main, uh, her main activity was what? Golf. <laughs> hey, but, 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 um, um, where was I? I was so, like having to juggle. That was one fear I had. And the other thing too, the fear was, um, you know, my, my family in the Philippines was relying on me to help them out financially because I was helping them financially when I was in the Philippines. So therefore they were counting on that little, you know, um, supplemental income for them to support seven other brothers and sisters, you know, and they were all going to school too. So, 
Um, so you felt the pressure to, I think everybody feels this pressure now. We can all relate to just uh, finding the financial support that you need to be able to still pursue whatever it is that you want. Yeah. I was ambitious. Let's, let's, let me put it to you that way. I was very ambitious. So you did you worked multiple jobs or you just I worked? Work- extra hours at the job that you I, were at. I, I usually would take on, you know, overtime so that I'd have, you know, extra monies, um, you know, uh, during paydays and stuff. And, um, you know, still be able to like go out every once in a while to eat, you know, which back then it was a luxury to, to eat out, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I didn't want to have to be cooking three meals a day every day seven days a week you know yeah you didn't have the time to no, do that too no. so uh, okay so now if you uh compare you just said a couple things you said you know you were worried about um the pressure to have enough time to work and make money but also to um you said you were the lowest priority Right. Like basically, exactly like you didn't you put your needs last. Yes. So how have you found how have you been able to change that? So so fast forward to over 30 years later. It's an evolution, though. I mean, you know, first you work hard to achieve, you know, to finish uh, school and be able to say, oh, yeah, I, I have a, even though at that time an, an undergrad was, you know, like the best thing that could happen to you, you know, nowadays it's like you're really getting a high school diploma, even if you have a college degree. But uh, at, at that time, you know, just um, um, pursuing higher education was the main thing for me. Mm-hmm. And um raising a family mm-hmm. I come to realize that uh, all that stuff that I was driving myself to mm-hmm. wasn't enough I I really wanted to start a family which happened real quickly mm-hmm. you know four years later along came Lori and um, but I s- kept charging ahead you so know? that kind of that in itself, just having a child uh, rearranged your priorities. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, rearranging in such a way that having a kid was the top priority in my life, although it was tough to juggle still because, you know, you're having to worry about going back to work six weeks later after you had the baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, um you know, wanting to get better at your job, wanting to move ahead, wanting to get promoted. So you work harder, you know, you you work just as hard, if not harder mm-hmm. than you've ever done before, which, you know, um, you get rewarded for that. Um, people see, you know, um, employers see what you do. And so I, I, you know, they say Filipinos are the most hardworking people, mm-hmm. uh, especially when they come to the U.S., you know, and they, they really show their worth. And, and I'm proud to say that I was one of them that, you know, I had to prove to them that, yeah, I was worth you hiring me for this job. And um, so I was proud of that. I would, even though there were 
um, a lot of a lot of apprehensions about you know um, being in the navy. You know, you're not guaranteed to stay in one place at one time. You know, for a long period of time. Um, you know, I was preparing myself uh, for the next chapter. Okay, so. Yeah. Um, in the back of my mind, I, I keep saying, get your resume handy mm-hmm. because you just never know when the Navy or where the Navy is going to, you know, send you mm-hmm. next time, mm-hmm. you know. So, mm-hmm. well, it's interesting the when you're saying that, because I don't, you know, I'm in a different I'm in this place, middle aged life, right? 40 years old and. You said something that I don't I don't have that in my life of kids was a priority. I always thought I would have kids too. And Matthew and I don't have kids and I don't have things that have uh, forced me to change my priorities. Right. Um, We both are very uh, driven people and have goals that we continue to try to achieve. But kids wasn't one of them kids was not just it didn't work out for us to have children you know we've tried and and we didn't and so um in my experience I don't have something that that allows me sometimes I feel like my friends that have kids can use that as an excuse for many things it can it can be like oh no we can't do it the kid we we have the kids or um, I mean, you can tell when people use that as an excuse for yes, what. Yes. Um, at the same time, it's been good for us because we don't have excuses or we have the luxury of time because we aren't tending to raising little humans. And so um, we feel like we should still be productive in our life. You know, we should still be moving forward all the time or we should be paying real close attention to our marriage and our relationship because we have to nurture that. We don't have little humans to nurture other than our nieces and nephews and, you know, that are around us. You know, you're fortunate in that you have each other and that, um, you know, you, you really find time to do a lot of productive things yeah you know um like i said um priorities um get totally skewed whenever um you know you use say for instance kids as an excuse to not be able to accomplish something yes you know what i mean so uh no in my in my case uh, you know i thought i um i had a good balance I had a good balance, um, you know, and at that time, um, uh, I also decided that I needed to see my mom and dad, you know, about four years later, um, they came to the U.S. I had petitioned for them to come to the U.S. So um, they came and, of course, you know, um, life was different. Um, they they. They found life here as a, a complete challenge. Everything they did from their manner of speaking to their manner of dealing with neighbors and, you know, and taking care of themselves was just totally foreign to them. Yeah. But- well, Nanai was a go-getter too. And so for the people, for people that are listening, Nanai means mother in Tagalog. Uh-huh. Or your mama. Yeah. And so, but we all call our grandma 
Nanai. In, yeah, Nanai. And it was funny. I remember when we were living in Maine, um, I had a, we had some Auntie Josie. Yeah, yeah, remember? yeah. And we had a, my, you guys had a Filipino, another couple that was around and they had kids that were around my age and we were riding in the car and they were taking us somewhere. And I said, where are we going? And they said, we're going to Nanai and Tatai's. And I said, you have a Nanai and Tatai too? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Cause you know, you're growing up in the US and a lot, everybody calls them grandma, granny, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever it is. And, and I was the only one I knew that called their, it was you know, unique. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, thank you Are for we getting taking sidetracked here or well, that's the way podcasts go. They, uh, okay. they go in and out, but okay. thank you for um, taking the time to share that. It's always interesting for me to get to hear stories that I haven't heard from you before. You I know? know, I have a lot of stories. Oh, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. And uh, I was listening to this other podcast with this guy, David Chang. He's a really um, well, he's a very successful chef. Yeah. And he's Korean. And he was talking about growing up in a Korean household. And he said, you know, the thing is, when you grow up in a with a Korean dad, stories don't come readily available. You really you don't really know what the full story is yeah. because certain things just kind of are kept under wraps. And I think uh, sometimes that's been the case, too, for us. So thank you for sharing that. But um, we round out every episode. Matthew and I try to think about useful things that people listening might be able to apply if they're thinking about creative endeavors or they're thinking about a goal that they want to accomplish or just bettering themselves. And so we call it our top three. Top three. Yeah. And so it might be three things that listening to you kind of uh, enter my mind and and I could use it as a summary or uh, or even philosophies I ha- I've had before this. Right. right? But right. as you were talking, I wrote a couple and you can feel free after I've shared mine if you want to add to the list okay. um, of top three. But okay, uh, one thing that I thought about in regards to operating on ambition, not fear, right? Right. Because we can be fear-driven or we can be ambition-driven. And this is about trying to be ambition-driven is one, uh, I heard you say at the very beginning, is just focus on opportunities. Exactly. So don't think about things that are going to hold you back. Don't don't allow all those fears and things about what if this, what if that prevent you from pursuing whatever it is that you want. Stepping on that plane. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, I heard that one that that stuck with me pretty, pretty uh, clearly. The second one was... um, don't make excuses for what you can accomplish. So I think when you were talking, you were saying, um, you know, you didn't have a car. Like, yes. you figure it out. Get a bike. Get, right. Or uh, um, your resume might not be what you think that employer wants, but just submit it and maybe you'll see what they mm-hmm. are willing to do. So I think... Both of those are about being ambitious, right? right? And not allowing things that could prevent you. Um, and then my third one, I had, to, I actually have four. Uh-oh. Um, okay. Maybe you can elaborate on one that sticks with you a little more. But right. the third one I think uh, on this list was surrounding yourself with the support system. So you said at the end of your story that you knew that you wanted Nanai and Tatai around. Exactly. So you, so maybe at some point along your journey, you said, I want 
to bring them here. You know, I don't want to be yes. thousands of miles away from my family. That was part of my ambition, actually. Um, you know, um, one of the things that I, I had, um, told myself all along was just, just be gutsy enough. You know, um, no matter what it takes, you can make it happen. So Did people tell you no. Yeah. A lot of people say, Oh my God, that's such a big family to bring over. I mean, you know, um, mom and dad and then seven brothers and sisters and, you know, um, and the distance that they have to travel. And most of them have not been on a plane ride. You know, so, and, and, and the other thing too is, is just, you know, uh, assuring them that, yeah, that they have somebody here. They, they have me here waiting for them and that everything will be all right. Yeah. Cause you, they were probably so fearful to come over here. That's a big journey also that everybody had to make one at a time. To exactly. Come over. Exactly. Um, okay. So the last one, I know I said top three, but I'm going to add a fourth, <laughs> but maybe you could talk about the fourth one. Okay. So there was a piece that you said a little bit about and you didn't go into much depth about it. Um, but you talked about balancing, you didn't, you were worried about time and you were thinking about balancing everything. And the one thing that I want you to talk more about is balancing, um, priorities to make sure that your needs are met. So how now where you sit in this chair at your age, um, what is your, philosophy or your ideas about how to balance your needs versus everybody else and everything else around you? Um, I think that um, once you realize that your children are um, have grown up to be responsible um, grown-ups and, and that they pretty much have their own ambition that they want to fulfill... And, and then you have a, a partner or a husband that's willing to, um, you know, share their time with you and, um, you know, um, share whatever they know about, about, um, living life, i.e., you know, let's play golf or, hey, tennis is a good day today to do that, you know. Once you realize that, um, there's other things in life that uh could be more important because you've accomplished already the 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 more prioritized things that you wanted to um you know to take care of then um you just say to yourself you know now it's my turn it's my turn to give myself you know that the luxury of time that that uh i have all the time in the world to um, enjoy what I thought in the past was uh, too much of a luxury for someone that's trying to raise kids and, you know, um, send myself, give myself some education, you know, better myself at my job, you know. Those are, you know, in, in the end, or I, I don't know if you call it in the end, but um, to sum it all up, I think that I... Uh, my priorities back then were different than my priorities now. 
you know now i'm i can sit comfortably and say that um i balance my time between you know golf and all these other things that interest me and um at the same time you know i have a good relationship with um the people that uh matter the most to me yeah so, so giving yourself permission to just say i need to do this to be happy to feel happy to feel balanced uh and um it might not look like everybody else's list of things that they want to do but it's worth it and it makes me better and happy to be around it works for me yeah yeah yeah. Whatever works for you, whatever makes you happy, do it. Okay, Mama. Well, I think that we have um, talked about the the topic was operating on ambition, not fear. And um, it was kind of, we, we've been toying with what to talk about on the podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. So this is, this is a lot of fun. And thank you for sitting down and taking some time to share your story. Hey, you're so welcome, my dear. All right. Thanks uh, for having me. Yes. Until next time, uh, episode 11, Creative Moonlighting. That's a wrap. Hasta la vista. Hasta la vista, baby.